welcome to episode one of Legends Untold, where we celebrate and elevate diversity, culture, and innovation in the esports industry. We're your hosts, Dr. Craig J and Mark P. Let's get to it. Today, we're talking to Magdalene Moy, a current PhD candidate uh, in the Education Leadership Development and Learning Technologies doctoral program at Drexel University. She has a concentration in STEM education. Uh, Magdalene has been engaged in gaming for some time now, but most recently, she's developed a personal uh, research interest in the realm of esports. So, Magdalene, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so why don't you tell us about your early experiences with gaming? Yeah, I've actually been thinking about that a lot um, because I'm kind of doing my work from an auto-ethnographic perspective and really trying to think about my experiences as a biracial female in gaming and my parents didn't allow us to have any games in our house. Like that was not aligned with school, so you weren't allowed to have games. And so the only time I really played games was with my like male cousins in like basements. And it was mostly like Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat, you know, very competitive for for young cousins to be playing with each other. But I was the only female of like my two other sisters and my many female cousins who would play. Um, and so that was my very early experiences. Gaming was always with my male cousins and then eventually with my male friends, my boyfriends, etc. So I don't even think, like even now when I engage in games, it's fairly rare that the majority is female. What drew you to this space that's just predominantly male? Like you said, I mean, they're cousins, so I mean, there's a familiarity there, but what really drew your attention to I- you know, like, I'm <laughs> nice. Puerto Rican, so both of these sides of my family are super patriarchal, and I'm the youngest female, so I felt like I could, or I should rather, not buy into these go cook and clean nonsense that was going on. In the, like, why would I want to do that? I want to go play games with the boys, obviously, and they were the ones who were allowed to do that, you know? So, so that's kind of how it came up, and it kind of stayed that way, you know? Yeah, so you got drawn into the the Street Fighters and um, what other games were you playing at that time? Mortal Kombat. Those Mortal are the ones Kombat. that I remember yeah. the most. That yeah. My mom didn't like the way Mortal Kombat <laughs> was very violent, so I did a lot of Chun-Li. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. So you identified with that character. Neat. And so do you think that over time you were able to kind of develop your own niche, you know, gaming space that you really had an affinity towards? And how did that kind of emerge? Because you kind of started wherever they started, right? They started with Street Fighter. You were playing Street Fighter, whatever they were playing. So how did you kind of evolve into your own space and game, game play? I think that a lot of my gameplay does is social. So I tend to play the games that my friends are playing or have introduced me to or something like that. I know that when I first picked up like my own console, that was in college. And then I just went through, it was like during the time where GameStop let you have like four days before you could return a game. But I would like binge games for like two days with no sleeping or something like that and go through, I went through all of the Tomb Raiders. I started picking up like Bayonetta. So I was definitely unconsciously drawn to um, female, you know, female players being able to play that. And then I kind of like brought it into, if I wasn't going to play a console game, then it was like Diablo and like 
similar in like um, exploring. I liked exploring. I like puzzle games. And now I've really found myself in grand strategy. So it's really evolved over time. Um, but I think games have evolved a lot. Like they've changed a lot in the way that they're giving representation to people too. So I don't know. I don't think I have a niche per se. I think I, I find new games and I'm like, oh, I like this about it. I like this about it. What's your take on what you're seeing? Yeah, she's a white female, right? And so, and she's... After telling us her history with gaming, Mark asked Magdalene about her experiences with Twitch gaming and female portrayals. And here's what she had. Um, and I know we had talked a little bit off air just about your interest in Twitch. So what is it on Twitch that you like to watch now? And how does that relate like to esports or to your interests? That's so not fair. I mean, <laughs> I've been doing this dissertation research, so I feel like I've, I'm very single-minded in a single game right now. But one of the things that I was doing to prep for my, for my dissertation work was I took this digital ethnography class with undergrads at Drexel. And one of the people in this class was a female who was doing streaming. And so I've been like following her to see like, when does she post? Why does she post? Is she posting both on YouTube and on stream? Or is she like deleting it on stream and keeping it on? So I've been like sides stalking this girl. <laughs> it's a good class. Kind of like how to conduct yourself on stream and everything. Yeah, because I'm interested in how people enter this space, especially minor, like minoritized groups. How do you, how do you come into a space that's extremely competitive? It is mostly, you know, white centered or Asian gamers and mm-hmm. things like yeah. this. And I think the way that a lot of critique from female gamers goes is you're either not pretty enough or you're, you're really slutty, you know, so there's, there's a lot of variation in that. So I like this person that I took this class with. So I decided to see like, how she's engaging with it because she's, younger than me. (laughs) She probably has an idea of what's appropriate. No, let's dig down deeper into that. Um, (laughs) What are you finding? Because now you're starting to look at her work and then probably comparing it with others, other females in the space, other minorities in the space. Like what's your, what's your take on what you're seeing in terms of streaming? And so she's, the way that she's engaging with it is, is very interesting to me. And it's not like other streamers. The most streamers that I um, have seen that are female are generally these anime representation or something. Um, and I've not particularly cared for that, but they tend to be really good at the games that I play. And so there's, there's this weird, there's this weird situation as a female gamer about like, how do you want to be reasonable to want to be attractive on film and like the way that you're displaying yourself. And I wonder like where that line is as, as a female, like what is appropriate? How are you going to be perceived? Especially like, cause it's not just the way that you're dressing. It's also like what game you're playing. You know, are you playing a serious game or are you playing a, and not a serious game from an educational experience, but like, you know. Difficult. <laughs> yeah. Like, is it a complex not, game? Not an IRL stream. One of my committee members is Gabrielle Richard. Do you, are you familiar with her? She's yeah, from State. Yeah. And she looks at some of the work with women and women in color um, in gaming. And so I've been reading that. So I've been like looking at things and then trying to find research on it. Um, and there's not a lot. So. Hmm. Could be a space to open up. Are you starting to connect, um, online with, with gamers, uh, beyond the geographical boundaries, you know, of the U S or the Pennsylvania, cause we're in, we're in Pennsylvania. Are you starting to do that? And what does that kind of mean? How does that, how does that impact how and, and why you play? 
So actually, the um, the game that I do my dissertation research on Europe and Europe South for is a um, it's a Swedish game. Swedish? No, it's not. It's from Denmark. A lot of those you can uh, like you can automatically tell by the accents that come on, and you can play with up to a hundred players or something like that. So like, there's a large international population that plays that specific game. But a lot of the other games that I play, like. Um, like PUBG or Overwatch, those ones tend to be much more narrowed in their network where you're only really playing with local people. Um, I don't, I haven't really connected to anyone other than playing that one round or, you know, several rounds of um, a match with or something like that. But when I went to the, with a lot of streamers that were international streamers that had went to the party to like, both participate and and stream to their followers. But tell us an experience. You know, it is really a hallmark of the industry being able to come together in the same place at one time. And now, you know, especially with the experience age emerging, which is the real time experience, people just being there real time. I want to be there. I want to capture it live. Tell us about how you know that that game that you're you're looking at in the land party kind of evolved and and what the experience was like being in the um in that event yeah i mean easily the best time i've ever had in my life like i daydream about it all the time now like i wish i was back in poland i wish i was back in poland um and i've never been to poland before so it was you know not for the food not for anything else i really went to this land party and you were I think I came back and I said like the most strangest thing because I don't particularly like people. But I said something to the effect like I think I made a hundred friends this weekend. Wow. You know, everyone was just, you know, very very much um, affinity groups. The way that she describes it, you're all there for something, and you're all like willing to give each other participation in this space because they're all here for the same goal. You know, um, it. How did it evolve? So this was actually the second one, and I had been doing research um, for two years on this game and trying to, like, you know, figure out where my dissertation was going. And I think in my second year, I found out that I had this land party, and I only found out after it had finished. So then I was like, I need to be more immersed in this community because I obviously don't know what's going on. And so I started following their Twitch. I started following their um, YouTube, their Twitter. Um. And then I got hooked up into this second one. So the first land party was 30 people, and the second land party was 100 people. And so it had really grown. What I find fascinating is how you're talking about the first event was 30, and then it tripled, right? Because, you know, that that is really fascinating because it shows the 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 value, the demand, and how big the demand is. And once you can get an event right and you kind of plant your stake in the ground, then all these people just start, they start coming out of the woodworks because there was something that they were missing. So what kind of, I know, I know you're talking about you're making friends, which is great. You made a hundred friends and that's, that's kind of a function of the event, right? They Being just so open. Way. I don't know if they feel the same way. <laughs> I just feel like my perspective. I don't want to speak for anyone else. But I think, I think you're talking about your experience though, because you're, you felt like there was a deep connection or at least a connection to call them, 
you know, friends are friendly. And when you see them again, you'd be really excited. So those types of things right now in the experience age are incredibly valuable. You will tell friends about that experience. You're going to tell them all the ins and outs of it because it was really meaningful to you. And guess what? If there's another one and you have the capacity, you're going again. (laughs) So this is the type of stuff I think that's really fascinating that you were drawn to as a researcher. You kind of were able to, to take your deep passion for games and an environment and then bring this to your research with your STEM experience and your research experience, how do you believe esports in its evolution will start to impact the ways that we talk about STEM, science, technology, education, and math? How do you think that this, how esports might play a role or impact how we view that space and that development? Sure. Um, I think that there's been a lot of development with STEM games in the K-12 space. Um, None of those that I've seen are competitive. A lot of them aren't collaborative. A lot of them aren't cooperative. Um, I think that there's a huge disconnect with how real people play games and how games are used in classrooms. Another layer of that is that there's a we keep trying to put technology in like higher ed and stuff like that. And it's not that there's not technology in higher ed, but they certainly are not using game-based learning in higher ed the same way that they are in a K-12 setting. And so I think that there's, there's a lot of different features of how esports could maybe bridge those things. Like just like the tenets of what makes a good game. Like you had mentioned earlier about like this idea of fun, but I've met, educational researchers that do game work and don't believe that games have to be fun, you know, and like, this is a fundamental disagreement that I have, but for so many reasons, (laughs) but I think that if you're, if there's not a clear understanding of what educational researchers are trying to do, it's like a game, like not even use sports, but like a game, it's hard for them to even conceptualize how you would use it in a, like a competitive way and like get students to like, think about how, what they're doing during that game, and maybe not just in the game, but in the environment that they're playing this game in can help them in like their real world endeavors or something like this. Um, And I think that's even more challenging at the higher ed level where a lot of your professors haven't played any games and they don't care to, and they don't think it's worth your time, especially STEM ones, you know, like you're hard pressed to find a professor who's like, sure, you can just come in and, and use a new simulation or something. And that's not even like a game. Interesting. So what is your vision then in your space, especially considering that you're in the college of education and you're in the department of educational leadership and development. So now you will have, you know, essentially power, (laughs) right. To kind of make some type of, you know, policy change, political change, um, educational direction change. What's your vision then? So I think one of the things that I'm really interested, I don't think I'm going to get to it in my dissertation work, but hopefully, you know, when I'm a tenure professor or something, I'll be, the game that I'm working with is a history simulation. And I think it would be really interesting to try to have students recreate history or, you know, I think one of the conversations that I've been really thinking about now with identity work and stuff like that is what do we mean by identity? Is it that we want them to be historians or do we want them to have 
the skills of a historian and what does it look like, you know, and does it, if you have the skills of a historian and can do it, does that mean that you're not a historian just because you don't have, you're not in that career or something like that? I think that goes back to science and how do you relate the practices that you want them to do, especially with like the science and engineering practices that are coming out of next generation science standards and how do you actually get someone to do such a thing in a digital space? How does that relate to real world experience? I don't, I don't have the answer for that. I think that it's, I think we're getting there. I think that the more that we understand how games take place in a physical space and how you could leverage that physical space, especially when we're talking about land parties and these esports where you have thousands of people just going to watch people play, how do you leverage that context to have real world application? I don't think we're there yet. I think that's part of what we're saying about. All right. If you could describe the perfect career as it relates to the esports industry or games industry, what do you see yourself doing five, ten years from now? I think um, part of that's coming out with when I'm talking about rewriting history. Um, it's the game that I study goes from 1444 to 1800. So you basically, during the time of the you go into colonization. And so how do you let students recognize that, like, what would have happened if Europe wasn't the ones who were colonizing? Or what if they changed their colonizing policies not to destroy and completely have a genocide of the native populations that were on those spaces? Do that. Could I do that in a way that then incorporates the physical context that the people are playing this in to, like, either embody that learning or... I don't know, have other ways of engaging with that knowledge, um, I think is where I hope to be in five years. I don't know if I will be. Cool. Cool. So is there anything that we haven't covered that you'd like some listeners to know um, about you or about the future projects or something that you're really passionate about? I think I'm, I'm just exploring right now. I think that's the best part of the PhD program is just kind of exploring different passions. So I'm, I think that it's difficult because from someone who has multiple intersections of identity, like how do you put that into your dissertation and when is there time to like really think about what is it like to be a female in gaming? What is it like to be a um, racially minoritized person in gaming? How do you change that? Is that like your overall end trajectory? How do you get there from an educational standpoint, you know, where there's so many institutionalized racism, sexism. Mm -hmm. Sweet. Well, listen, thank you, Mags, for joining us today. We really appreciate your insight um, and the credible work that you're doing around learning and and games and and identity. I think that's really going to be important work going forward in this space. Um, Why don't you tell the listeners where they can reach you and how they can connect with you? Sure. Um, I'm a PhD student, so you can email me. Check that pretty pretty regularly. Um, MKM99 at Drexel.edu or my stream, uh, my stream, my Steam account is um, Sabocat. So, or Twitch, Maven. Wonderful. So today's episode was great as we learned about a female gamer taking her passions and pouring them into research and expanding opportunities for others through connections to STEM careers. So today we learned a lot about Magdalene Moy's story, but what about yours? 
If you'd like to tell us about your story or be featured on our platform of untold stories of diverse people, culture, and innovations, join the Legion of Legends by visiting us at lightninglegends.com and following us at Lightning with a Z, where we build legends. To you by Johnny Will. Check him out on IG at Johnny Will 25. Johnny Will 25.